Amen. Can we lift our voice today? Come on, can we let heaven, heaven hear us today? Oh, God, we love you. God, we're not quiet about our adoration towards you. We're not quiet about how much we love you, Jesus. You're worthy of all praise. God, you've done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I used to think when I was younger that that old song that says he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all is just because the people singing it or writing it was old and just didn't have enough time to go through all of the years of things that God had done for them. But I have a little better understanding now that when we get to heaven, there's going to be so much that we didn't know. There's going to be so much that God did without our awares. Amen. Did behind the scene that we can't really, we can't really tell it all. God's been so good to us. Amen. Amen. I'm reminded of a song that says, even when I don't see it, he's working. When I don't feel it, he's still working. Amen. And I'm thankful that I serve a God that does not slumber or sleep. Amen. But he is with me constantly. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm chapter 102 and verse 18. As the songs were being sung, I leaned over to a brother and I said, well, there's my message title right there. And so I'm excited for what God is going to do in this place. We serve a God that has made us free. Amen. And as much as I am thankful that we live in a country that still, as far as I know, I haven't read the news and been told that we're under communist control quite yet, but we are a free nation, and we have been able to worship in freedom, and be able to, so beyond, beyond Second Amendment, beyond um, freedoms to vote, I'm, I'm thankful for the freedom to worship God, amen, and to, to, to join together with like-minded people and worship Him, amen, but more than that, I, I, I am, as, as, as well as that, I should say, I'm thankful that He's made us free from sin. Amen. We have the freedom to worship Him, but, amen, the whole reason why we can worship Him is that He set us free. Amen. He paid the price for your and my sin, and I'm thankful today, amen, that I, didn't, I don't have to still carry the sin. Amen. But I got a Father that says, cast your cares upon me. Amen. I have a God that went to the cross for my sins, and I'm thankful today to be able to worship. Amen. Amen. And my sins are washed away today. Amen. Psalm chapter 102 and verse 18. The Bible says this shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. It's talking about you and I. For he had looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. To hear the groaning of the prisoner. To loose those that are appointed to death. To declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When is he going to do all this? When is the Lord going to look down from the height of his sanctuary? When is he going to hear the groaning of the prisoner and loose those who are appointed to death? When is he going to declare the name of the Lord in Zion? When, verse 22, the people, which we talked about just a few moments ago, the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. The same people, when these people gather together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Can I tell you, there's something that begins to happen when people that are created to praise God actually get together and begin to praise Him. Amen. Things begin to happen in the supernatural. God begins to hear the groaning of the prisoner and begins to loose those 
that are appointed to death. Can we skip over to the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17? It's a very appropriate scripture for what tomorrow is going to bring. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. Where His Spirit is, there is a, there's an ability for His Spirit to liberate people. Amen. In, in His presence, when people walk in, can I tell you, there's a moment where they're, they're disconnected from the sin and they can have a moment of freedom. Amen. Freedom that maybe they've never felt before. Amen. And that's why it's so important for the people that are created to worship Him, gather together and worship Him. I want to preach for a little while on this song. I hope you ride with me today. I hope you have your, I hope you have your Sunday night shout with you today. But I want to preach for a little while on this thought. What the prisoners need to hear. What the prisoners need to hear. Can you lift your hands towards heaven? Can you, can you ask God to bless us and touch us in the remainder of this service? Hallelujah. Can you lift your voice? Come on, unashamedly, can you worship him? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for standing today. You may be seated. Having never been incarcerated myself, I begin to wonder what the emotions of prisoners would be, what they have to deal with and go through. And I found an article that Brother Google so kindly gave me. And I began to read it, and it was fascinating. It was titled, Dealing with Being in Prison. And it begins to display some emotions that prisoners go through. And I would like to read those to you today. The first of which is denial. This stage begins when a person enters into prison and lasts one to three years for those with a sentence over ten years. For smaller or lesser sentences, they may be in denial their entire sentence. Prisoners swing from emotions of rebellion to withdrawal and find it hard to believe that they're really in prison. They tend to blame their situation on others and are often callous towards victims and have trouble comprehending the seriousness of their consequences. Oh, I've talked to people, uh, amen, I've knocked on their doors on outreach, and you, you can tell that they don't understand really the seriousness of their consequences. They don't realize that they're bound by sin. They don't realize that they're lost without a Savior, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, they don't realize they have a hard time comprehending the seriousness of their consequences. They don't realize that if they don't change their ways, uh, they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And, and, and they have a hard time understanding. They often say, well, I'm this way because of so-and-so. And I'm this way because my parents did this and, and raised me this way or that way. And then they go from denial to anger. This is when the door gets slammed in your face. This is when they stop coming to Bible study. When faced with the reality, they can no longer deny the situation. A prisoner often becomes angry. They may threaten lawsuits, express grievances, or bully weaker pe people. They demand equal treatment, but fair treatment, equal treatment, but show little regard for fairness. Sometimes my brain gets ahead of my eyes. They they want equal treatment, but they they don't want to they won't want to do uh, what's right to others. 
Amen. Then from anger, a sense of bargaining sets in. Of if only, if only my dad had been around, if only people would have treated me fairly, they may resort to making promises with deals uh, and deals with God or others. They promise to mend their ways in exchange for favors, often filled with guilt, frustration, and shame. It's hard for prisoners to believe that God will forgive them. Amen. Sometimes the reason why a person fights you about coming to church is they feel like they've done too much and they've gone too far, that God cannot forgive them. They're angry about where they are in life. They're angry about their circumstances. Uh, they're, 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 they're bargaining, saying, well, if it only had been different, I, my life, if it only would have, uh, if I've only been raised different, if I would have been raised with a different last name or in a different environment, things would be better. Amen. But today, can I tell you, uh, God can turn things around in your life. Uh, amen. God does, it doesn't matter to God what last name you have, how much money you have in your bank account. God is no respecter of persons. They go from bargaining to depression. Amen. Feelings of hopelessness settle in. And sink in when it's clear that anger and bargaining do not work. Depressed prisoners tend to withdraw from others and focus on what they've lost. One prisoner said, I wanted to sleep all the time because I wanted to escape my pain. Prisoners begin to face the consequences of their past actions. They grieve the loss of freedom and separation from loved ones. And this is the worst, I think, if we're talking in the spiritual. Amen. The saddest of all emotions is this acceptance prisoners begin to accept that they're in prison for the long haul which can make a prisoner emotionally numb that's why you can have people sitting on apostolic pews pentecostal pews where there's liberty but they are numb because they feel like amen they've accepted their prison cell They've accepted where they are. Can I tell you, you don't have to accept uh, where you are today because I serve a God that opens prison doors. Uh, I serve a God that will come down, uh, look down from the height of his sanctuary, and he'll hear your groaning, uh, and he'll loose those that are appointed to death. Another smaller article attached to this one I thought was interesting. Gave some bullet points. It says how to survive in prison. It says don't trust anyone. Hide your emotions. Make use of your cellmates. Choose your words carefully. Don't stare at other prisoners. Don't ask the staff to solve your problems. What a terrible place to live in where you feel like the weight of the, weight of the world is on your shoulders and you don't feel like you have any help out. You, don't have, you can't talk to anybody. You can't, you can't uh, let your emotions be shown. Uh, you, can't, you can't stare. You've got you to gotta be so careful and guarded. But can I tell you, you're in a place today that you can trust his spirit. Amen. You can trust in the fact the Bible says trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Hey, you're in a place where you don't have to hide your emotions. Amen. You're in a place where you can ask God to help you with your problems. Amen. We serve a God that is interested in pulling people out. Amen. Of a prison cell. In fact, in Isaiah 61 and 1, uh, Jesus standing in the temple in Luke 4 reads this scripture and says, Today this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. We serve a God that came to this
this earth, uh, robed himself in flesh, and he said, one of my purposes is, uh, is because I've come uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Uh, I've come to open prison doors for those that are bound. Hey, person sitting on a pew today that you're bound, uh, uh, sir, ma'am, amen. God is able to open your prison door today. Come on, God's able to bring you out. Come on, he brought Lazarus out of a tomb. Amen. God can bring you out of a prison cell today. Amen. Aren't you glad today if you have the Holy Ghost? Aren't you glad that God has helped you? Amen. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was given keys to salvation. He was given keys to the kingdom. And God said, uh, uh, he said, whatever you bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, guess what? Keys open. Keys open door. Come on, the way out of your prison cells to follow that plan of salvation. Amen. As Peter took those keys and said, I'm going uh, to loose those who are appointed to death. I'm going uh, to open the doors to the prisoners. And he put a key in the lock. And he said, you've got to repent. And a lock came unlocked. Uh, and he said, you've got to be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of your sins. Uh, and another lock came unlocked. And he said, you've got to be filled uh, with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, amen. And the door swung wide open. Today, that's how you get out of your prison cell. Amen. And saint of God, aren't you glad that he came down in your prison cell of life one day? Amen. I'm reminded of the song, once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But then Jesus came and he listened to me. And glory to God, he set me free. Aren't you glad that God has set you free today? Psalm 146 and 5 says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executed judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. And the writer sums it up like this. The Lord looseth the prisoners. Aren't you glad that God loosed you one day? Come on, there are some ex-convicts in this place. I'm not talking about in the physical only. No doubt there are some in here. But in the spiritual, you were once bound by sin. But God has broken those chains of sin. Chains of drugs used to bind you. You were bound in bondage of depression. You were in fetters and chains of false religion. But God broke you free from your prison cell. Come on, i got a God that saved me. I've got a God that can save you today. Come on, he can save save you from addiction. He can save you from sin. Come on, he can save you from yourself. And Brotherhood, I find it fascinating that when you start talking about Amen. The, the power of God uh, that broke people free from their prison cell. I find it fascinating. Uh, amen. That when you begin to feel the moving of the spirit of God, that same spirit, amen, that gave you power over sin, that same spirit that broke you free from your addiction, that same spirit that resurrected your life. Uh, amen. How can, how can some sit still when they feel that same spirit of God? I find it fascinating. It's almost like they've adopted the chains again. It's almost like they've adopted the old bondage again. Uh, how can we not? How can we not praise our God? Uh, how can we not lift hands that were once in fetters and chains uh, but are now free from the weight of bondage? Uh, 
Amen. If God has delivered you, you ought to lift your hands every time you feel his spirit. If God has delivered you and set you free, there ought to not be a service that goes by that you don't engage in the spirit of God. The Bible says, return not again. Don't go back to the yoke of bondage. Don't turn back. Don't start putting your hands in your, in your lap and not ever raising your hands like you used to. Don't start associating with that old lifestyle of bondage. Amen. Amen. I want to be free to worship him. I want a freedom in my spirit to praise him. Acts 16.22 says, And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thus thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas said, I just don't feel like worshiping God anymore. And at midnight, Paul and Silas said, I'm contemplating not going to church tonight. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were upset at their pastor and said, what's the use even going to church anymore? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I'm not talking just one person a month revival. I'm talking about every door being open. I'm not talking about just going through the motions on a Wednesday night and on a Sunday afternoon, but I'm talking about everybody's doors being open. The prisoners in that jail had heard many things. They heard the woe is me. No one's known the trouble I've seen. No one knows my sorrow. They had heard uh, the excuses as to why people were in that condition. They had heard all the injustices that had been done to people. They had heard the cries for pain, uh, uh, from pain. They had heard the complaints about the, the, the plight that people faced. They had heard, uh, no doubt, derogatory statements uh, and, and, and things that, were, that, would, that would make people cringe. Uh, but what, there was a sound uh, on, that, on that, that night that they were in jail that they had never heard before. They had never heard, uh, I believe, the true sound of praise in the midst of their prison cell. That is why we can't afford to have patty cake church. I haven't gone on the evangelistic field to make friends, honey. I've come to preach what God gives me. Amen. Amen. That's why we can't, we can't have patty cake church. We can't just come in and go through the motions because there are prisoners uh, that may walk into our service that need to hear the sound of praise. We can't come with our thumbs tucked in our pockets. Amen. If I didn't give this revelation last time I was here, let me give you a revelation. Revival is bringing to life something that was once alive. That's what the definition of, definition of revival is. We feel like revival is increase of souls. No, that's harvest. Revival starts with you and I. Revival is not new people getting the Holy Ghost, but it's old people getting the Holy Ghost. It starts with you and I. It starts with a dry bone that gets some life in it. 
and one stop dry bone gets some life and joins up with someone else and they start getting some life and all of a sudden, amen, an army stands up. Amen. If we want revival, then we've got to have the praise of God moving and flowing in the house. It's not going to be a nice song that brings someone to an altar. Guess what? You can get goosebumps listening to the national anthem. Thank God for nice songs. Thank God and all these things I think are important. But it's not simply a program that will entice someone to open up their heart and seek for the Holy Ghost. Can I say it's not even words put together on a piece of paper that is given like a speech. Amen. It's not just simply the message. Because there are people that give speeches, amen, all across this world and no one gets freedom. But if someone's going to be changed and delivered, it's only going to happen by the power and the presence of God. And he inhabits the praises of his people. Can I tell you, he inhabits the praises of his people. If someone's going to be changed, it's going to be by his presence and his power. And guess what? He inhabits the praises of his people. That means we join together and we worship God and people's lives can be changed. It's just a message without his presence. It's just a program without his presence. It's just a nice song without his presence. So when Paul and Silas began to praise God in that prison cell, God came down and inhabited their praise. So not only did the prisoners hear something they had never heard, but they felt something that they had never felt before. They felt a earth-shaking powerful, liberating move of God. Amen. I believe as God permeated their praise and, 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 and invoked it and became down and became a part of their praise, the foundation. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how deep it goes. It doesn't matter how bound somebody is. The Bible says that the very foundations of what the prison was built upon was shaken. God has a way of breaking the very foundation of the prison. God has a way of breaking the very foundation of the bondage in people's lives. God came down in the house and inhabited that jail cell. And then when we come to the house of God, we want God to inhabit this house. Not only that, but we want God to inhabit the jail cells and the prison cells, amen, in people's lives that walk in. When God's people praise him, he shows up. He cancels his appointments. He shuts down his meetings. He stops angel choir practice. Everything comes to a halt when God's people begin to cry out and praise him. Paul and Silas worship God not out of a place of strength. People feel like the only time they should worship God is when they get a raise on the paycheck and when everything's going right and they're on the mountaintop. Paul and Silas worship God out of a place of weakness. They were beaten, they were bruised, they were in bondage, but still yet they worship God. You see, there's two different types of praise. There's a because praise. God, I praise you because you've done this for me, because you've touched me, because you've blessed me. But I think the most powerful type of praise is a yet praise. God, I'm going through hell and high water, yet will I praise you. God, everything's, everything's going wrong, yet will I praise you. And Paul and Silas were giving a yet praise. God, we're being persecuted. We've got stripes laid upon our backs for believing in you, but yet will we praise you. 
And because they worship in spite of their situation, they save not only themselves, but those that heard them. Saint of God, you can come in with your bottom lap, bottom lip dragging gravel on the way in. But you can come in and say, God, I know things are going wrong. I know, I know things are wrong, but, but God, you still are worthy of the praise. God, you still are deserving of my praise. Amen. He loves to hear the praises of his people. He loves them to sing from the mountain's tops. But what touches his heart, what grabs his ear, is when he hears hallelujah from the valley. The song says hallelujah from the valley, hallelujah from the saint, who with pain in every heartbeat still lifts his hands and says, I will praise the Lord at all times, forever come what may. Hallelujah from the valley, hallelujah in the pain. They were given a hallelujah from the valley. Amen. And because of that, they saved not just themselves, but all those that were in the prison cell. We can't afford laid-back church. We can't afford, we can't miss a Sunday afternoon. We can't just afford, we can't afford just to go through the motions. Because God will send them somewhere else. We can't afford a Wednesday night. Why is Sunday is seemingly the hardest service I've seen, this, I've seen this all across Pentecost. Sunday is the hardest service to get people invested. There's so many distractions. There's so much going on. Uh, people are thinking about mowing their grass after church and thinking about going to the grocery store, and they're just they're distracted on Sunday. Could it be the devil knows that Sunday is the service that, that is most likely for prisoners to attend? Oh, let them have their Wednesday night. But let them be discontented on Sunday. Let them be quiet on Sunday. Let it just be Sunday school. Because there are prisoners that need to hear us lifting up Jesus. They need to hear true worship to a true God. They don't need something that's practiced and choreographed. They don't need lights and smoke and fog. But they need true worship to a true God. They need, they don't need a little lay me down to sleep, cradle baby Jesus in your arms praise. But they need true Pentecostal praise. Hey, don't give up on your Pentecostal praise. Don't give up on being a holy roller. Don't give up on your dance and your shout. Don't be ashamed of who we are. Because it's what they're looking for. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. We find down in verse 13, Peter knocked at the door of the gate. Damsel came and hearkened, and they, Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw that it was him, and they were astonished, because an angel of the Lord had come down and taken him out of his prison cell. You know what gets people out of their prison cells? Prayer. In fact... The prisoner needs to hear you pray. Remember Paul and Silas? We always talk about how they praised God, but they prayed and sang praises unto God. It's got to go hand in hand. They need to hear you pray. Can I tell you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, now I'm not the pastor. If your pastor dissects he's right, I'm wrong. But if you have the Holy Ghost, you ought to be in prayer service every single service. Why is it so important, Brother Boggs? Why do I have to be there? There's five other people that are there. Why do? Because a prisoner that walks in needs to hear someone that looks like they have everything put together saying, God, I need you. God, preach to me. I need to hear from you today. And someone sits back and says, if they need to hear from God, 
I need to hear from God. If they need Jesus, I need Jesus. If they look like everything's right and everything's put together and I know how much of a mess I'm in, then I need to hear from Jesus today as well. Prisoners need to hear you pray. They don't need to hear about the new boat you bought or see a picture of the buck you shot last season while prayer's going on. That ain't just a little bit right. That is right. They need to hear a saint of God crying out to God. They need to hear you say, I need you, Jesus. Come on. They, they, don't, they, don't need, they don't need to hear about the best deal at Dillard's that's going on, ladies. During prayer service. But they need a mother of Christ cry out and say, God, I've got to have something from you today. God, I, I, I'm, I'm empty and I need to be filled today. They need to identify with a need for God in their lives. But this is what the devil does. In Acts chapter 5 verse 18. They lay their hands upon the apostles and put them in the common prison. You see, the enemy wants to put us in a common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the doors of the prison and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple the peep to the people of the words of this life. Then came one of them and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the te temple and teaching the people. There may be some, the devil's taken you and placed you into a common prison. A common prison is one of easy church and going through the motions, but not really engaging. The angel of the Lord said, I'll break you free from your chains, but one requirement, you must go back to church. You see, he said, go and tell the people in the temple all the words of this life. It's not just regulated to a preacher. But people in worship service need to say, God, you're the best. You're the greatest. You're awesome. You're alpha. You're omega. God, you're greater than my problem. You're greater than my giant. You're greater than my circumstance. If you'll lift your voice in praise, God will break you free from your prison cell. Amen. You, but you've got to be intentional. I have a friend that coined the phrase, I'm intentionally Pentecostal. I'm intentionally Pentecostal. I'm not just, well, I, I might be Pentecostal. No, I'm intentionally Pentecostal. That means I come to church and I'm intentional about my praise. I'm intentional about my worship. I'm intentional about how I respond to the preaching. I'm intentional, I'm intentional about the worship or the, the altar call. I'm intentional. It should not be easy, mom and dad, for your kids to backslide. They ought to have to trip over experiences. They saw you dancing and shouting and worship. They ought to trip over mama raising her voice in her room in prayer. They ought to trip over all the times you prayed with them in the altar. You ought to be intentional about being Pentecostal. They ought to push through the very power of God in their home if they're going to sin. Saints of God, we don't serve a common God. He doesn't deserve common prayer and common worship and common church. Amen. We serve a God that is greater. Can I tell you, I've never seen a dead church have revival. I've never seen a mother that's dead give birth to babies. Amen. I wondered one time, why did God strike Michael, the daughter of Saul? Why did he make her barren? And I began to look at this and I began to pray about it. I felt like God gave me a little insight to this. Amen. Amen. Michael had removed herself so far 
from feeling like it was her responsibility to worship God, that she was intentionally, she was able to make fun of those that were worshiping. She was so far removed from her responsibility to worship God when the Ark of the Covenant, the, the embodiment of the presence of God, that was the visible, the visible representation of God's spirit and power. When it marched into the city, Michael should have been the first one out. She had spent time around that Ark of the Covenant. She had spent time around the priesthood. She had spent time around the king's house. But she had been so far removed saying, oh, let David dance. In fact, he looks pretty silly doing it. Can I tell you, a church that, that, that says that it's not their responsibility to worship God will be stricken and not have children. That starts with you and I. God, it's my church. It's my church, so I want to make sure babies are born. There's something that begins to happen when the saints of God bind together in praise. The situation of the prisoner may look hopeless. It may look like there's no way out, but we serve a God that makes a way where there seemeth to be no way. There's a young girl by the name of Ashley. Ashley was in a neighboring town to where our church was, about 15 minutes away. She started getting involved in drugs and alcohol and the party scene in her high school years. And her aunt that had a background in an assembly of God said, Ashley, you better stop what you're doing right now. And the only way you're going to get out of this lifestyle is you've got to go to church. She said, okay, auntie, I'll go with you. She said, we'll, we'll start our search for a church this weekend. They drove into town. They went to one church in our, in our area. They sat through the service. She said, what do you think? She said, I just... I don't feel like this is what I need. They went to another service. They pulled in the parking lot, walked in the back door, stood in the back for about five minutes. She said, she said can we go? This isn't what I need. It was about five or six weeks of them traveling, looking for a church. It was a Sunday evening. Amen. When their car turned off of Bishop Road and just started to cross onto the driveway, Ashley said, stop. They were still probably 200 yards from the building. She said, stop. And her aunt's going, oh my goodness, I've wasted fuel again. She said, auntie, this is where I need to be. What she didn't know was on the inside of the church. I remember I was on the drum set when they walked in. The choir was singing and people were shouting and dancing and rolling the floor. Bobby pins were flying. They walked in. And can I tell you, because, because there was a liberty in worship, that liberty of worship reached all the way out to the roadway and began to tug and pull. Can I tell you, there are people that drive by this place uh, that when the Spirit of God is moving, they'll go, what was that building? I need to check that out. There's something different about that place. There's something different about that parking lot. Let's see if you have it today. Psalm 150, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him for according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psaltery and heart, praise him with the timbrel and the dance, praise him with stringed instruments and organs, praise him on the loud sounding cymbals, praise him on the high sounding cymbals, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Come on, it's time that we understand. We don't just have a right to praise the Lord, but we've got a commandment to praise the Lord. We've got a responsibility. 
Psalm 149 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the temple and heart. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Brother Boggs, you're trying to get a response out of us. Guilty as charged. I am. But why? Thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you. If it's true that the prison doors were opened due to Paul and Silas's praise and prayer, then the opposite must be true. That if they would not have praised God, if they would not have prayed, then their bonds would not have fallen off. If they would have let how they felt kept them from worshiping God, then everybody's doors would have stayed closed. It's time we understand we have a commandment to worship Him. It's time that we shake off complacency. We need to shake off coming to church and worshiping God how we want to and start worshiping how he wants us to. If God ever allows me to pastor, I already know what I'm going to put above the front door of the sanctuary. My church, my responsibility. My church, my responsibility. So that means if I want a church that's alive, it's my responsibility to make sure it's alive. If I want a church that prays through people, it's my responsibility to bring people to church and pray people through. It's time that worship becomes everybody's responsibility. It's time that revival becomes everybody's calling. You know why the devil doesn't want everybody to praise? You know why the devil sits on your shoulder? I'm going to tell you right where you are. The devil sits on your shoulder and says, see these five gays in the front? They're worshiping God. So someone's fulfilling the role of worship. I don't need to do it. There's plenty of other people that are running the aisles. I don't need to. Do you know why the devil doesn't want you to? Because he's scared to death of what would happen if everybody got in one mind and in one accord. He knows what will happen. He'll have another Acts 2.38 type of revival on his hands. If everybody, if everybody got in one mind and one accord, one day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's why the devil says, oh, brother, you don't have to, sister, you don't have to worship. Oh, no, someone else can run the house. You don't have to do it. You don't have to lift your hands. Someone else will. We've got to have the presence of God flowing. What are you doing today, Brother Box? I'm trying to help set you up for revival. Hey, I've seen churches that don't have the programs. They don't have the outreach programs, but they've got a spirit of worship, and people just walk in. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't a program that pulled them in. It wasn't a message that got them there. But it was saying these men are not drunk as you suppose. It was a crowd that said, man, these people are worshiping. They are going nuts. They're, they must be drunk. And they came to see what was going on. Their worship. Their response to the Spirit is what drew people in. And once they got there, Brother Hood, they heard the salvation plan preached to them. And they were pricked in their hearts. But it was the worship that got them there. Saint of God, it's got to go hand in hand. But it's worship that brings people in. That's why the devil wants a dead church. That's why the devil wants complacency. That's why the devil doesn't want everybody to worship. 
It's time you get your tiredness out of the way. It's time for us to get stubbornness out of the way. It's time to get pride out of the way and say, God, I'm just going to worship you like I know you want me to. I wonder right now if we can make our way to this front. Saints, could you come? Come on, make it easy for the guests to follow in. Come on, let us fill this front, not with just bodies, but let us fill this front with a worship and a praise to heaven. Come on, God, if there's a prisoner here, if there's someone here without the Holy Ghost, then God, let my dance be an atmosphere changer. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can we worship? Come on, can we praise right now? Come on, where the Spirit of the Lord is, Glory, there is liberty. Hallelujah. This is what Come we've on, come prisoners that have been liberated, don't just stand there. They begin to move. Bind the devil in Jesus' name. Tonight we got a well, we got to shake the foundation we pray. Oh, glory. glory, hallelujah. This is what this is what we've come to do. Tear down strongholds, break and chain. Bind the devil. Bind the devil in Jesus' name. And you'll start feeling like it. The Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. Oh, the Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. Oh, come on. Tonight, I want to see someone get the Holy Ghost. I want to see someone set free. So that's the cost of my worship. I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm willing to pay the price to see someone deliver. The Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. The Lord is
The Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy. The Lord is worthy.